Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lesson Laundry, your favorite podcast where we grab our basket of bullshit and we air it out, Mama Mother Goose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am joined today with a very, very special guest, um, my friend Melinda, my best friend Melinda. Hello. Sorry, let me use the phrase. <laughs> oh my gosh. You used it with me. <laughs> Take that, Marina. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy to have her. Uh, it's been a while since I did a podcast episode, so thank you so much for coming. Coming where? To my house to record this podcast <laughs> episode. Um, we Last time I did a podcast episode, it was actually me alone talking about loneliness. I know, it's so poetic. Um, and that was in January, January 2022. Yeah. A whole year ago. Happy anniversary. Thank Happy you. New Year. Right, I guess. Wee-hee. Um, baby, <laughs> what a year it's been. <laughs> Um, so we're going to get a little bit into everything, but really the topic that we're kind of starting with is the future and then where we go, we'll see where we end up. Um, but I am so excited to get into this with you and thank you guys so much for tuning in. It means a lot. Um, follow Lesson Laundry on Instagram, on Instagram, that's all I got right now. Um, and thank you guys again so much. I'm so excited to get into this. (laughs) All right, so to start talking about the future, we have to talk about the past a little bit, and not in a bad way, not in a bad way. I mean, we can. We can get into that. <laughs> dirty laundry. Oh, God, yeah. Let's not even talk about dirty laundry. I have... Let's talk about the laundry I folded and put away in my closet. You did that today? No, I did it yesterday. Oh, well, good job. I mean, you know, you did it. I did it. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I hate, I love the the feeling of when the laundry is done. And I don't mind, like, actually doing it because it smells really good. You know what I mean? Right. Um, And it's kind of, like, therapeutic. But I hate folding my laundry. That's the future. (laughs) (laughs) No, when you think about it, like, the whole process of it, it's like you love love the end goal, which is... What did you smoke? (laughs) No. No, think about it. You love the end goal of when your laundry is done because you went through the process of putting it away and washing it and doing all the things. And sometimes the hard part is folding it and putting it away. I wish y'all could see my face right now. (laughs) It makes sense in my head. I'm fully gooped. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, you're right. It is. That is kind of like the future. If you put it side to side. Side to side. (laughs) All right, go off. It's side by side. Side. I've been there all night. No, no, no. The song is side to side, but the phrase, if you put it side by side. Side by side. Yeah, yeah. Me over here. You think I've been there all night. <laughs> My laundry's been there all night. Hey. Anyway. Yeah, you're right. I actually really like that. It's kind of scary. I'm going to be thinking about the future next time I do my laundry. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, I'll be here all week. Um. What is... The, oh, it's your headband. I thought it was... <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> I was like, saying that kind of podcast, baby. <laughs> but yes, so the podcast. Or the podcast. <laughs> the future. Yeah, the past. <laughs> the past. That's okay. what I wanted to say. Um, me and Melinda met in high school. Our families... I don't want to say our families, but... Well, I didn't know anything about your family. I just... Like, my family knew your family... And therefore, I knew of you. Yeah, through marriage. Like, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, we're not related. No. No. But just the connection of our families. I mean, they do know each other in a sense. Yeah. Because of the interrelationships. But 
But yeah, that was that was a time to be alive. But we never really grew up together. No, we were in never a sense around. we did. Well, but, kind of. That's but, weird. Yeah. That's so weird. It is. Um, but I mean, that's okay. <laughs> I'm so happy. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's wonderful. Wow. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so we were in driver's ed together. It was my senior year of high school. It was 2017. And I, I mean, I don't really, what was it? I was doing a presentation. Yes, you were doing, it was like some form of introduction or presentations. And then the teacher required us to like ask a question. And I shot my hand in the air and I was like, I know you. And you're looking at me like, who the fuck Which is this Which also is not a question. <laughs> huh? It's not a question. The teacher said, anyone has any questions? You said, I know you. That's not a question. Well, then I, I technically did follow up and say like, is your mom X, Y, and Z? And you're like, huh? And I'm like, well, I know you through the... Like, I didn't need to make it a public presentation, like, right then and there in front of the whole class, but I did anyway. Which is fine. <laughs> I mean, someone had to do it. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I think I knew who you were, but I, like, didn't... I honestly don't remember. I, trauma blocking. High school trauma blocking. I don't remember. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. And here it is now. Um, We... Got really close in during the pandemic, which y'all are going to... Don't call me out for. <laughs> don't call... I was not going to the club, okay? But I was hanging out with, uh, what, four people? Right. Four or five. Yeah. It was a small group. We should have essentially just lived together. We essentially did. Yeah. For so, a while. My 21st birthday, got a house, Airbnb. It was like us and like a few other people. And then... We were pretty isolated. But. Well, there was no one around us. Right. We've been around each other the whole time. Yeah. So I wasn't concerned about COVID. I never got COVID. Can't relate. Can you? No, I had COVID. It was it was not fun. Girl, nobody want me not even COVIDina. Oh, my God. Like, I, it, it, honestly, getting it now is kind of embarrassing. It would definitely be super like embarrassing. Like, three years later? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, bandwagon. <laughs> um... But no, for real, shout out to all our frontline workers. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's like everyone cared about y'all during 2020, but now nobody gives a shit. That part. So, no, that but part. shout out to our frontline workers who still got to wear masks, get their N95 masks fitted, yes. shave their beards. Oh my God, let's not get into that. <laughs> oh, that's a whole story. Hazmat suits. Yes. Girl. Just for reference, for context, I'm a public health major. Um, so that's where all of this conversation is coming from. But yeah, so shout out to them. Um, but yeah, so we got really close 2020 and then we, yeah, things just kind of were, lin- was linear there. We never, I mean, prior to that, we were obviously friends, but we weren't, we never really got close. Sorry not to call you out, but we didn't. It's true. It took I mean, a while. It was kind of surface. Yeah. It was like, let's go to Walmart. That part. Um, let's go get coffee. Yeah. And that's kind of where it is, where it's dead. Granted, like you, you didn't really go any, you didn't really go out. You know what I mean? I didn't. No, I just kind of was very independent, and I was very locked in into certain relationships that didn't really allow me to. I wouldn't say allow because I was able to still make the choices on my own. I wasn't really like forcefully pulled away from that, um, but. I didn't I didn't take advantage of like friendships. I was more focused on my relationship and my school 
at the time. And that was like my only focus. I was also struggling with an eating disorder at the time. So I had a lot of things going on that didn't involve other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was never anything personal to anybody in my life. I just was going through a lot. And I, in the moment, I didn't think it was a lot. But now looking back, it definitely was problematic. Well, I mean, it's like you're in the future now. Right. Like looking back at it from your perspective, you said in the moment you didn't think it was a lot. No, because I thought that I was happy. Um, I thought that that's where what I was supposed to achieve. I mean, it wasn't my first go around at having an eating disorder. It was my second round of really falling into it. And it's never really a full recovery. Um, And I achieved a body image that I thought I was proud of, but it it wasn't until 2020 when COVID hit that I really had to forcefully change my life. Um, I had just been, I just ended a toxic relationship. I was... In 2020? Uh, yeah, in Jan- well, January when of 2020. When we went into lockdown, weren't you, you were single. Yes, I was. For how long? Like, has it, had it only been a couple months? Pretty much, yeah. Really? Yeah, it was only a couple months when lockdown hit, and that was, it was a tough time. It's because I fell off because of that relationship. It was very just revolving around one person. And yeah, I had friends. I had you. We talked occasionally, um, but it wasn't like it is now. And so... Well, I remember there was like a phase. It was prior to this relationship that we're talking about now, I think. But like the... There was a phase where it was just like Melinda did not talk to me, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't because she didn't want to. It was just like you were just in this whole thing with this relationship, and I just gave you that space to be in there. Yeah. Um. But also, I think before that, like we had never like 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 we said like we had never been really close. Yeah. Um. Which is fine. I mean, I would just say, say you hate me. No, <laughs> I would say that we did have a like static ongoing relationship but Please i don't say static oh gosh <laughs> um but nothing that was necessarily like attached at the hip kind of like we are now you know um we're was, attached to the hip yes we are work <laughs> i'm stuck with your ass yeah, oh oh and boy do you know it like butter on toast oh butter butter <laughs> Paula hey just y'all it's <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Paula Dean's Butter. Does Boy, she have her own butter brand? Boy, you're about to catch a lawsuit if you don't stop talking. Paula Dean, I love you, baby. <laughs> I, isn't she problematic? You know what's funny? Paula Dean has no idea that this relationship started because of her. Yeah. She's coming to our wedding. We're not getting married. Well, but like, yes. <laughs> she's, coming, she's coming to our, I don't know, the high graduation. school reunion. <laughs> Oh my god, imagine Paula Dean shows up to your graduation. Imagine you give Paula Dean your graduation ticket instead of Marina. That'd be sickening. But that'd be gaggy. Honestly, I'd give it up. I'd give it to Paula Dean. That's enough. I'd or, give it up. I'd give it <laughs> I would not give it up for Paula Dean. I would give my ticket to Paula <laughs> Anywho, off topic. Um Where were we? We just talked about Paula Dean <laughs> Shut up, Paula Dean. I think she's problematic, though, so maybe not shout out to her. Okay, anyways, <laughs> it's not about Paula Dean. It's always about Paula Dean, baby. <laughs> um, well, when the when lockdown started, I was very lonely. Um, it was everywhere. You and the rest of the world, girl. I understand that. But lonely in the sense where, like, 
when you would talk about how you and like people that were in our lives are in our lives would be on FaceTime and doing all these things and X, Y, and Z, I I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Like I really had to redefine myself on my own. So by the time your birthday came around of that year, I was finally like in a group of people that I felt (coughs) close to. I'm so sorry. I could not hold that one. (laughs) Yeah, you were. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, what were you doing? You were playing board games with your parents? No, I it was actually really funny. I honestly don't even know what you were doing during your lockdown. Do I? Not really. I wasn't really doing much. I would go on bike rides with my parents in the morning. I I would kind of sit on the balcony, read, play on my computer. Um, I was still in school. I was just on school online. Um, I told myself I wouldn't download TikTok because I was like, there's no point. It's like musically. And then I got so bored. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to download TikTok. And then literally what happened. And I was just doing trends. Yeah. I also went blonde. Yeah. Um, I, she had an identity crisis. I did. I went from being a redhead to being blonde, and that was not cute. Um, not cute at all. But, yeah, there was there was a lot of changing things. So, did you really... Did we really get... It was really just my birthday, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. That's... Well, like, leading up to it, essentially. Like, that month before, right. we would planning. start hanging out and all we that stuff. We were planning stuff. and, yeah. you know... But like your there birthday, was a lot that happened. It was it was an intense birthday, but, but, but it, it was, was fun. It was fun, and I'm so happy that it happened. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were there are still in my life, so I'm super grateful for that. Um, and yeah, it was just it was a lot of fun. I mean, I had a very similar. I guess I didn't. I don't want to say I had a very similar. Why is my dog just staring at the bathroom? <laughs> that is so scary. <laughs> is there a ghost? Ella? What are you doing? There better not be a ghost there. If you start barking at a wall, <laughs> I'm going to scream. Um, yeah, my, my my lockdown was very my lockdown was very different. It was well, not, kind of. It was I. There was a group of people. We all Facetimed every night, all day. If I wasn't Facetiming them during the day, I was cleaning. I was um, on TikTok, just like you. Um, I played board games with my parents. All the time. Um, we watched movies all the time. I, it was like, honestly, it felt like a cultural reset. Yeah. Like, everything about life changed. And I think, I mean, part of the topic that we're talking about is the future. It's like, we had no idea what the hell was going to happen. And, like, no. that was so anxiety, like, it was so anxiety-inducing for me. I remember Googling, like, when is this going to end? Yeah. And thinking that, like, Google was going to have the answer. Nobody had the answer. Nobody had the answer. And granted, like, it's still not over. Right. We are in much a much better place than we were prior to, but, like, it's still not over. Why is my dog under the table? Ella, you don't do that. That's not, you don't, you've never done that before in your life. Why are you acting up right now? <laughs> um, my, yeah, so I just had so much anxiety because I was like, when is it going to be over? I miss hugging people. Yes. I'm about to be 21. I, I, I had never had a fake ID. I never went out prior to, I mean, yes, I drank at like, you know, birthday parties and like with my parents, but like I had never, is that like, is that like criminal inducing for my parents? <laughs> anyway, um, I had never like went out. I hadn't been 21 until, cause I was saving it to be 21. Right. You know, so I had like, I lived my childhood, I guess, up until 21 doing fairly normal things, going to B-dubs, um, bubble tea, yikes. Um, 
being, you know, stupid. And then 21 came around. And I was like, oh, my God, I can finally, like, this is the year I turned 21. I'm going to go to the clubs. I'm going to get drunk. And COVID go said, psych. COVID said, you're not even going to freaking Somebody's Los Angeles. You're not going to Los Angeles, girl. You're not going anywhere. We were supposed to go to L.A. Yes, that was <laughs> a time to not be alive. <laughs> that was a time to unalive. That was, oh, my God, God It forbid. was so bad. But we had a whole trip planned. We were like, oh, my God, flights for $50. Sign me up. <laughs> Yeah. And now? Well, I was supposed to go to England, and my yeah. mom was terrified. She's like, they're going to shut down flights, and you're not going to be able to come back God home. God forbid you would have been stuck in England. Yeah. Wow. What would you have done? I don't know. Pip-pip Cheerio? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, part of me feels like Hallmark should make a movie about that. Oh, they will. <laughs> There's going to be cards. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hallmark needs to make, like, a Christmas movie or something. Where a girl goes on a trip to London and then gets, like, COVID shut down in London and then meets the love of her life. Not me pitching a full movie to Hallmark. You should trademark that right now. If y'all steal this, <laughs> if y'all steal that, I highly doubt Hallmark was, is listening to this. <laughs> Paula Dean and Hallmark. Paula Dean in a Hallmark film. Now. <laughs> that part. But, yeah, like, yeah, I know you were supposed to go to London. I We were all supposed to go to Los Angeles. Well, that, that was prior to the pandemic, though. London was prior to pandemic. No, it was around the pandemic time. I, yeah, I was supposed to go in March, and my mom was like, "There is no way you're going because if what if you get what if you don't come back?" And well, they did; they shut down flights. I remember. I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be anything." That was I did literally. Too. I think we both had that thing where it was like, "Yeah, no, this is going to blow over in two weeks." I was working at the airport at that time, and I vividly remember like turning to my coworker, and I had just got the first notification that said two confirmed case as a husband and a wife of COVID-19 and I look at my coworker and I'm like it's just the flu like nothing's gonna come out of this Mm -hmm. shortly after I had gotten a new job at a hospital and then within two or three weeks of having that job I found out everyone from my previous employment got laid off because there was well thank god you left yeah it was like a saving grace and it was funny because I had applied for that position before I applied for the one that I was in at that moment and I didn't think that they would ever reach out to me, and they did. And it was surreal. Like, it was such a saving grace. But then you caught yourself working throughout the pandemic. Yeah. So I was working in a hospital through the pandemic. So that was a bit scary. Um, it was interesting because we typically see like 180 patients, sometimes 200 patients a day in that clinic. And during the pandemic, one, I was new. I had no idea what was going on when it came to like that working there, but I was kind of thrown into the role because they needed all hands on deck to be able to create a safe space for their priority patients while also giving alternatives to the patients that we couldn't see anymore. And it was sad. Like we were, it was express mode. Like we were just on a fast track. You're on X Games mode. We, I was, and I was just thrown into it. And my poor lead, she was trying to train me and teach me, and I was just like, I don't know if I can keep up. It was, it was intense. Um, I was like on the flip side of it. I did. I had just gotten a job at Vitamin Shop. (laughs) Throwback. And then another guy had gotten hired after me. And then they were like, okay, we're furloughing him. And he wanted to work. And I was like, I'll be furloughed because my dad had a pre, what is it, pre-existing condition yeah. or something like that. 
and he was immunocompromised. And then I, me and my mom were kind of freaking out about it. And people would come into the store without a mask on. Yeah. And, like, I was like, I'm not helping them. Like, I was a big, you know, <clears throat> like, I was taking things very seriously. It does mean no help if I'm wearing a mask and you're not. Just no, saying. absolutely not. Um, and so, yeah, I then they were like, we're going to furlough him. And I was like, oh, just furlough me instead. Yeah. And then I went on unemployment and I just stayed home. Yeah. And didn't do anything for... What, like three months yeah. maybe two I, months i which felt like a year it was it was a very long period of time but i think that moment and going through the pandemic really solidified what i wanted to do in the future which no it's like amazing yeah. i think that's like for you it's so true because like if i had if something god forbid another pandemic or something was starting up and you would be like Oh no, we have to take this seriously. But like you were just like me in that situation, we were like, oh no, this is like the flu. Right. It'll blow over. Right. I mean, I was studying public health. Yeah. And it was something that I loved academically. But it wasn't until the pandemic where I really was like, no, this is what I love to do. And granted, the direction that I want to take is not infectious diseases in the sense of like COVID 19 and influenza. It's infectious diseases of diseases of different kinds. Um, but like like sexually transmitted diseases, HIV and AIDS and stuff like that. Um, it's important work. That's why I ask you to specify. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, that's kind of the realm that I want to go in. Not the epidemiological route, but more of the community health route. But being in the pandemic really made me realize the importance of preventative medicine. And it really made me realize what treatment medicine, as important as it is, I believe that everyone deserves equal and equitable access to healthcare. Um, period preventative medicine is so important and it doesn't get the attention that it should and it got attention during the pandemic but it got they got such negative attention and it drove me insane because i'm like this is not we're, we have a hiccup this- do, do supplements count as preventative health health care like like taking like vitamin c things like that like making like well it's part of it okay so and i asked that because i'm stupid i don't know anything about public health i mean i do like basics whatever but i'm not like you and i um i remember when i was working at vitamin shop like you said people were then trying to get on preventative health care like during the pandemic people we could not keep vitamin c on the shelves at vitamin shop we couldn't and people were like what else and i was like vitamin d and then vitamin d started flying off the shelves and granted, I was not telling them to take vitamin D. I was telling them, like, it also helps with your immune system. But it's, like, vitamin D is fat-soluble and you have to be careful, blah, blah, blah. Like, usually, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. But vitamin C is water-soluble. You can take as much as you want. You're just going to pee out what your body doesn't take. Um, and that we could not keep on the shelves. So it's, like, people were really, like... And that's the thing is, like, we always... I think, like, as a society, we always want to do something while we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at climate change. Yeah. How many years have scientists been telling us about climate change, that it's like affecting everything in the world, and now people are kind of taking it a little bit more seriously than they were before? Right. And still, there's not enough being done for it, in my opinion. But that's a whole other topic. But another thing too, um, pandemic-wise, <laughs> pandemic-wise, um, prior to the pandemic, I had been like working out a lot with a friend uh, at the time, and. I was, like, feeling myself, like, getting comfortable with my body. Pandemic hit, and boom, got fat again. 
Um, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, everyone. There's nothing wrong with that. It's ev- just. Yeah. Everyone did had their own body transformations during the pandemic. I mean, I couldn't go to the gym. So what was I going to do? Right. I don't know how to work out at home. I tried. I hate it. I live in a in a in a condo so I can't just be jumping jacks like <laughs> I gotta be aware of the people around me and I don't want to bother anyone and when I start to do jumping jacks bitch this is gonna be the first earthquake ever recorded in Illinois history <laughs> so I fell off there and I you know recently I guess kind of got back into it but I feel myself falling off again but we're not gonna get into that because I'll get sad um and do we have anything else? I mean, I like that we're doing it like this. We're doing like past. And then, I don't know, do we do we get into the present now? Well. Or do you, what else do you want to, do you have anything else you want to add about the past? Well, I think that it's just, it goes into this idea where in the moment I thought I was going to stay the same person I was. Like, again, going back to the eating disorder, I threw away, as quoted on um, One Tree Hill, I threw away all my fat clothes. You know, oh, like is that what she said? Yeah, um, she was in in the show. She was a model who represented like a campaign called "Zero Is Not a Size." However, she fell into like the modeling atmosphere, and she wanted to achieve being a zero. And um, she took drastic measures to get there. And she quoted in one of the episodes, like, "Oh, I'm just throwing away all my fat clothes." And Looking at it now, it just, or watching that episode now, it like took me aback because that's exactly what I did during the pandemic. Like I was so set in my ways of like, and I was never necessarily like, I just had body dysmorphia. I was very self-conscious about the way my body was proportioned. And during the pandemic, I took a whole bag of clothes that were too big on me at the time. And I threw them all away because I convinced myself, like, this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I will never let myself get, quote unquote, fat again. This was prior pandemic or? Well, during the pandemic is when I purged all my clothes that were bigger on me, but like leading up to it. So you were one of the people who didn't, like your weight didn't fluctuate during the pandemic? It did during like the latter half of the year not like those early periods because I convinced myself like I'm not gonna let myself change when in reality like I needed to it was not healthy I was eating for a 12 year old not even a 12 year old I was eating for a four-year-old you know um I was eating 1200 calories a day and that's enough to sustain like a child not an adult um and just thinking about who I am in the present and who I was then like, I didn't think that this would be my future. As shallow as that sounds of, like, my, like, body and the way I look, that's, like, one thing that I looked for in the future. It was, like, never let your body change. You need to stay this way forever. That's just unrealistic. It's not, it, but in my mind, it was realistic right. because if I force myself to throw away these clothes that no longer fit, then I won't have gonna, clothes to wear. Right. And I, you know? What are you going to do? Go back, go shop again? It, I mean, I had to. <clears throat> So, right. I mean, granted, that upped my wardrobe now, so. <laughs> Did it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. At least she's not wearing that heavy metal chain around her neck anymore. Okay, that's a whole different podcast story. We won't get into that one quite yet, but, but no, yeah. You have, yeah, your fashion is definitely upped, and I'm really happy to see it. Mine has definitely went down. <laughs> I don't know what it's I I just, like, I think personally, like, my, oh, my God, past, present, here we go. Um, my, back in the day, like, I used to love being, like, very experimental with, like, my fashion and, like, doing things, like, 
I don't want to be noticed. I don't want people to look at me. I say that as I wear like a metal, like metal, metallic, like blazer. I say that as I wear a metallic blazer, but like <laughs> it's situational. I like to wear like a metallic blazer during New Year's. Why not bring the sparkle? Right. But day in and day out, I'm like a hoodie, jeans, sneakers. Let's go. Like I, right. maybe it's because I just like don't have the. There's there's okay. I recently saw that, felt this change actually, and I felt like it's because I fell off with my body a little bit. Um, I. I think that's part of the reason why I kind of just kept like keeping things simple. There was a moment like for your birthday. I think it was your birthday or was it your graduation? No, your birthday. We went to Vegas. Yeah. Antico Posto. When was that? Graduation? Yeah. So you were wearing like that really pretty blue silky. I love that dress. <laughs> you still have that? I do. I love that dress. Um, And I like had worn, I had like went shopping and I was like, granted I was wearing all black. But I was really feeling my oats there in that picture, like the pictures that I took in the garage where I was like walking mm-hmm. and like whatever. I love that. And like, I feel like that was an era of me where I was kind of getting like experimental again with my fashion because I felt comfortable in my body again. And then now I feel like I've kind of simplified it again because I don't feel comfortable in my body 100% yeah. as I did that time. But um, it's a journey, yeah. you know, um, it's, you know, in the future, I hope to. My circumstances have changed. I became a student again. I am working while being a student. I'm trying to pursue personal endeavors like this podcast all at the same time. And it's it's difficult to put yourself on a pedestal when you feel like you have so much responsibility to take care of that really doesn't necessarily affect your immediate life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like going to school every day in the moment doesn't necessarily affect you. But, like, down the line, yes, it will. Like, you'll yeah. get a degree and, like, you know, whatnot. Um, and then get a job with a degree and so on and so forth. But, like, in the moment, it doesn't necessarily affect you. But, like, when I would go to the gym, it, it affected me in the moment. So <clears throat> doing all these things that I know in the long run will be good for me. It's difficult for me to understand that it's okay to not have time to go to the gym four to five times a week. And it's okay to just kind of let loose a little bit and like not be so uptight about it um but like pandemic was like i don't even want to say the pandemic was like the biggest that i was i think the biggest that i was was 2019 i was like pushing 300 pounds um which is like scary i'm like 244 now um but like last summer i was 235 so i don't know if it's muscle i don't know if it's fat i don't know what it is um but You've been a really big driver in, like, my health and, like, myself, health and myself, my health and myself journey, if you will. You're always asking me, do you want to go to the gym? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And then when I tell you that, I'm like, I feel like shit. Yeah. (laughs) And this is why I feel like shit. And you always, you you bonked me (laughs) in my head when we were in front of the gym because I was like, I feel fat. And you bonked me and you're like, shut up. And, um... It's, like, okay to feel not satisfied. Yeah. I think. But, like, when are you going to be satisfied? Exactly. Right? And I had this conversation with someone else, too, where it's, like, in terms of finances and salaries, it's, like, they give you a salary to start and you think it's great. And then you get used to making that money and maintaining that lifestyle for that salary. And then you seek more. Yeah. And then the same thing happens. And it's, like, it's a cycle. And then it's not enough again. And then it's not enough. And then, next, so when is enough money enough? 
When is your health enough? When is anything enough? Because the like you said in um, another take that we'd had for the podcast, you said for the future that it's um, it's not a destination. Like it's not something oh. that you'll ever reach. Right. And like the finances and the healthcare and or the the finances and like your own personal health is is the same thing. It's not a destination. You know what I mean? Um, so you're I, I want to know with you in terms of like your future I want to know like your five-year plan and we'll use this podcast as like a diary um I I don't have one and I not my eyes like fully widening I don't have a five-year plan because I feel like that sometimes when you put definitions to something like that you put things on a timeline it limits your abilities in doing certain things because you're working off of a checklist essentially and as important as that is like I don't think that you should just do anything and everything um, without consequence I by putting my life on a five-year plan I'm putting it I'm giving it an endpoint when in reality there is no endpoint and like going back to this whole idea of like when is my finance situation enough when is my love life enough when is my health enough it reminded me of a trip I took last spring to Costa Rica um, the saying that they use to greet everybody is pura vida and that saying it means pure life or simple life and I think that by utilizing just that saying and remembering it makes me realize that when life is simple, you have enough. When you make life simple, you have enough. Um, Because there's never going to be a definitive answer of like, this is enough. But when you are content with the life that you live and you're comfortable and you are okay with what you have and who you're surrounded with, there doesn't, this thought of like, I want more doesn't necessarily develop. Like, yes, would I love to win the lottery? Absolutely. But my life in the simplest form is enough. I have so much to be grateful for. I have things in my life that I can afford, that I can support. I have people I love. Um, And up until this point, I think about life when it comes to being in the simplest form of like, I've held so many hands. I've walked so many places I've never seen before. I've cried so many happy tears. Not just bad tears. I've cried happy tears. I've hugged the people I loved. I've laughed so much that it can probably be a million hours on a podcast. You know? And that's enough. The simple things in life that just bring joy and positivity. That's what's important to be enough. And... That, I think that that's the perspective that I've taken when it comes to like having a five-year plan. It's like I, as long as I'm happy and as long as I'm able to continue walking to places I've never been and holding the hands of people I loved and giving kisses and holding babies and watching the rain outside of my window, that's what's enough. I agree. Um, I think the question that I posed is a question that is often presented to people. Like, everyone's kind of expected to have that five-year plan. Um, I'm sure you have achievements that you want to achieve. 
Oh, yes. Right. I do have certain achievements that I'm working towards in this moment, but not necessarily something beyond that because I feel like if I catch myself planning too far ahead, it's kind of like... Well, look pandemic-wise, right? right? It's like, you're like, oh, yeah, I was interested in public health, but I wasn't... You weren't as invested yeah. in it as you are now. So it's like... And that was three years ago? Yeah. But like It was like really two years ago from the point that you realized that you were fully invested into it, right? Yeah. Because then you were like, okay, yeah, my degree, this and that. And like you were, you dived in deep into it. And it's like, it's kind of a stupid question to even pose, like, what is your five-year plan? Because it's like, my five-year plan could change tomorrow. Exactly. And it's like, the reason that I graduated at the top of my class was... Summa... Summa cum laude. That part. <laughs> Um, was because of the passion that I grew for what I was studying. And that made me want to, I mean, I've always been the student who like gave 110%. Like that's just who I was. I crave academic validation. That's my personality trait. She'll be in school for the rest of her life. I 100%. (laughs) Um, But when my passion was solidified, it made me want to just try as hard as I can to learn and to really earn my degree and say like, yeah, I'm a public health major. I'm going to have my master's in public health because I know my shit, not because I just kind of went through school and through life, like feeling I needed to check boxes off a checklist. But if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have put that passion into it. You know, I wouldn't have altered the way I viewed school and my major and I wouldn't have achieved what I have achieved and I wouldn't be in a master's program for for this field so I think it's sickening what is oh my god no pun intended because you're public health but I think it's sickening that this is this is like like your education like that this is something that you're so super invested in and that like you you crave that academic validation which i'm sure at times is actually physically sickening yeah. because <laughs> whatever that was you better go off beverly hills chihuahua um but it, i think i i never really seeked academic validation i like it's nice though but i will say as a student who took like a year and a half off of school to be in a management position and like see that whole aspect of how business works. I appreciate school so much more now because I did step down from my management role and I took those experiences, but now I've like fully invested into school to the point where it's like, I know that if I don't proceed with this and I don't get a degree, I mean, like, like it's not, it's not all about that, but like if I don't, um, I lose my train of thought. I do this all the time. <laughs> if I, like, I'm, I like what I'm studying now, right? And, like, if I don't, if I don't do this now, I don't know when I will. And I'm not saying, like, that you can't go to school when you're 30 or you can't go to school when you're 50. I'm just saying, like, for me personally right now, this feels like the right time. And it's, like, people could have shoved school down my throat as much as they wanted to when I was 18, 19, 20 years old and I would have been like hey I'll go I'll waste your money which I did but it's a different perspective now and I really really love what I'm studying I'm a communication major minor in marketing like that's what I want to do I love communications I love 
marketing. I love, you know, everything. Like, there's a psychology behind it, and I love that. And, like, it's an ethical it's, – it's an ethics thing as well. It's a logical thing. So – and, like, for me, like, public health to you, I'm sure, just clicks now at this point. Like, yeah. when, you, when you read things about it and, like, you can easily probably – decipher what an issue is in the in whatever you're reading and for me it's like I have the same thing but when it comes from like an ethical standpoint of communication studies whether it be how a corporation is communicating something to their employees or how a corporation is telling the national audience that they're going public or going private or whatever the case may be in that situation all of that makes sense to me yeah but I could read an article that you are reading and be like girl <laughs> I don't know what the hell <laughs> is going on in this article and but that's that's the reason that you're going to school for that because you get it. But that's also the beauty of it right. because not everyone can do everything and know everything and mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes life very interactive because we need other people in order to achieve a bigger goal. Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't run a hospital with just nurses and doctors. You need administration. You need HR. You need well, people in marketing. You need most of those roles that are in hospitals aren't fulfilled by actual medical staff. Exactly, and it's just. You but those need, are the ones that you see. That those are the people that get the most attention. And while I do believe that medical professionals they deserve that attention, Absolutely. they they play an immense role in like our health as an over overall as a nation. One reason that I really liked my major. Also is because I wanted to explore different ways of, of looking at medicine. It's not just get sick, get treatment, get better. There's so much more to a hospital system that people often don't see. And I want to be a part of it all. Like I, I've been inpatient. I've been outpatient. Now I'm administrative. Like, and I want to see how everything functions from every single angle. Because I want to understand when somebody asks me like, what's going on in the in the hospital or if somebody has a question or a concern i want to know who to turn to i want to know all the players involved um and who is making this future end goal possible for the entire hospital besides just who's on paper who's on the web page when you first open it up mm-hmm. well i mean if you think about hospitals and like the way that you view a retail store well like a department store i don't want to say like an airy but like a uh, Macy's, yeah. um, the people that you see on the floor aren't like all the workers, but to a customer that that is all the workers. Yeah. Because they don't really care who's unloading the truck. They don't really care who's doing the press releases. They don't really care who's doing the social media posting. They don't really mm-hmm. care who's managing the teams. What they really care about is who's on the floor and who they see. Yeah. So, but I I love I love that you you're able to put a reason behind what you do, and I think for the future. <laughs> It's a really beautiful thing. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to come back because we're at 43 minutes right now, which is kind of crazy. My podcast episodes are usually like an hour, an hour and 15. So we're going to come back and we'll actually get into the future in all aspects. Stay tuned. <laughs> and now a message from Paula Dean. <laughs> Butter. <laughs> So I looked at Melinda and I go, just follow my lead when it comes to the future. And she goes, oh, God. And she started sipping her Coke. Um, But with the future, let's get into the future. What's your biggest fear about the future? Uncertainty. Uncertainty? Yeah. In? 
fear of the unknown. It's kind of like my fear of open waters because you don't know what's around you. Like you're in the moment. You're surrounded by anything and everything, but you don't know what's there. Um, So I think that's my biggest fear. But it also comes with a certain comfort knowing that any struggles that I go through now, tomorrow, next week, there's a future, God willing, that will make those problems seem minuscule. Because at the end of the day, we're all just pieces on a floating rock. Which is so iconic, I think. Like, Like how many other people can say that? (laughs) Like, I mean, everybody on Earth is literally just a piece on a floating rock, you know? But it's just, it's it's comforting to know that it's not the end-all be-all. Like, the decisions we make. I think that's, like, another thing, too, that I think is really comforting. I mean, I think you're going to think I'm fucked for this. But... Like, open waters and, like, space, let's say. Like, out, yeah. like galaxy. I love space. Yeah. And people are like, why do you like space so much? I'm like, because you don't know what's out there. And, like, I love it. I'm more afraid of oceans than I am of space. Well, because you've been in an ocean. But you've never necessarily been in space. space. I know. And I wish. Elon you- Musk, send me. It's an it's an ideology of like, oh wow, I want to be up there, but you don't know how you're going to feel in that moment. Well, like part of me, I've always this is so <laughs> off topic kind of. But like I've always wanted to go to space. And I think uncertainty for me is almost comforting. Because it's like I there's a comfort in thinking like like how you said, like your challenges today, tomorrow may be minuscule or they just might not be existent. Yeah. Like your challenges that you're going through right now, whatever it might be, um, they they could easily tomorrow be nothing. And that's the thing is like, think about like your mood. Your mood changes every day and like your problems can change every day too. Right. And the way that you approach those things is um, is really like the the deciding factor on their outcome if you will granted you're gonna if you're gonna have a problem that is out of your control you just have to sit back and say this is out of my control like you can't stress about it but at the end of the day we do do that because it's a human thing yeah um and like i think for me like in the space regard like there's a comfort in the uncertainty because it's like well, you don't know what's gonna happen. It could very well be good, and in my mind, at least from the mentality that I'm like thinking about it now, like it could very well be a good thing. So, um, I think I'm trying to think about how like how to word this and like relate this to what you just said about problems, like, and or the future rather. It's like uncertainty is like it like turns me on. Okay. <laughs> Like, not knowing what will happen tomorrow, whether it be good or bad, is, like, exciting for me. In a way that is, like, could sometimes be, you know, like, it could introduce anxiety sometimes. But for the most part, from the mentality that I'm in now, it's, like, it's, I like to know what tomorrow could bring me. Because you could get a job offer. You could get that internship that you wanted you could you know but on the other hand you could slip on some ice and break your leg like it could very well be anything but i like that it's something because if everything was linear we would be nothing we'd have no purpose we'd We'd have no purpose we'd be boring yeah and like imagine how boring i would be (laughs) i mean i'm already so boring okay (laughs) i mean i agree with 
parts of that but like me who I am as a person I it's part of the reason that I rewatch TV shows over and over again it's because I know what the ending is going to be I know what the plot is going to be and it's it brings me a sort of comfort rather than me starting a new show and not knowing what's going to go well it's a control thing it is right and so I feel like I'm a routine girl like I like to be in control of what goes on day to day from hour to hour um, so sometimes when things don't go according to plan, it gives me anxiety. Well, this is why, like, when you go on a trip, you plan everything out. Yeah. Like, every, not I want to say every hour, because that's kind of crazy. Well, you're looking at me like, is it, though? Is it, though? <laughs> and, but, I mean, it's fine. Every friend group needs that person. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, it's balance. But, like, you are the type of person that will literally plan out everything. I mean, we're going to Minnesota, and I don't even know what the hell we're, I don't even know what when my flight is. Flights are booked. Hotel is booked. I've got an itinerary and everything. We could very well be going to New Orleans and I would have no clue. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's tough to think about the future because I had a crisis a few months back where I was sitting in my car about to go clock into work and I was bawling my eyes out because I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm, was this your old job or your my, new job? My old job. Um, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I working so many hours? I'm 21, 22 years old. Like, I shouldn't be having to work this hard and balance so many things. And in a sense, kind of like you mentioned, there was a comfort knowing that there was a bigger plan for me. But again, that's something that's like solid, something that I have a goal towards, like I'm checking off boxes on a checklist in order to get to where I want to be but at the end of the day the the future is it's a journey it's not a destination it's not something you can just plug into your GPS and take the turns to get to where you need to be because we don't know what the future is it's yeah, I mean, a mindset you could very well go down the exit ramp of a highway that's another story it's <laughs> for another time um but it's it's comforting knowing that at the end of the day like we're we're born and we go through all of this, all this, all these steps, all these journeys in order to get to like the end of life. Death. Well, yes. Um, but we always forget that, like, as I mentioned, it's not a destination. So we're constantly working so hard and wanting to go day by day, hoping the days go faster to get to where we want to be. Like as kids, we want to be adults. We want to grow up. And there's there's no place there there's nothing waiting for us necessarily it's just a mindset of like i need to get somewhere well we always want the exciting things to happen always yeah right like i remember when i was a kid i remember very vividly one of our family friends was coming to visit us and i think she lived in georgia um and she was coming to visit us, and I remember being so excited for her to come. She was, like, my sister's age, so she was, like, seven years older than me, so she was probably, like, 18, or six, like, 17 or 18 at the time. And she was coming to visit us, and I remember, like, I was, like, I took my blanket, and I lay down on the ground, and I go, I'm not going, or I'm going to go to sleep, and when I wake up, she better be here. Why? Because, like, I was tired of living throughout the day because she wasn't there, and I was, like, excited for her to get there. And it's kind of like when you plan a trip. Yeah. And, like... You plan it, and you're like, oh, my God, we're so excited, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, do you ever, like, sit back, and you're like, oh, my God, but this is, like, a month and a half away? Yes, I do, because it's an anticipation of something. But then I miss so many moments in between. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I had so many good moments that have led up to that trip, but to me, they they didn't count, you know, because they were for, I was waiting for the trip. And then when the trip is over, it's like, okay, now I need to plan what's going to happen next. That's going to bring me excitement. And that's kind of goes with this idea of like uncertainty. Well, are you constantly chasing, like, are you constantly chasing excitement like your whole life? Like, is that something that we're always doing, whether we're conscious of it or not? Are we always like, you know, and for us, I think it's different because we have the perspective, like we're, we're European, right? We go to Europe and we see that the pace of life over there is completely different than it is here. Yeah. So is it like when we're here, we're constantly chasing this excitement because our pace of life here is very fast. Yeah. Like we are always waiting like for the next thing, next thing, next thing, but like we won't admire the nights where we're just with our friends eating a panini at 11 PM and just chilling there. Like, I admire those things. I I know you do too. But like a lot of people don't actually like take the time and they're just like it's like a time filler. Yeah. For some people for them to get to the next thing that they want to do. Um but like back to your point with like your job. When you when you had that like moment in your car before going into work, was that like a turning point for you? Like did you then start to look for another job? Did you like did you take an action on that? I think that moment I really sought out to find my purpose outside of like professional and academic validation because up until that point, I I wanted to be young and successful. Like I think I still do. Like I want to be as young as possible and achieve things that people achieve later on in life. Um, and so when I had that moment in my car, I felt like I almost lost my youth for a second there because like I said I was 21 22 and I'm crying bawling my eyes out because I'm like I'm 21 I'm 22 like I shouldn't have to do this like I shouldn't have to be pushing so hard and wanting to be something like right now on this timeline and it really helped open my eyes of like what my true purpose was and it wasn't to be young and successful although I do love the idea of that that's kind of my aim to achieve regardless what's your fantasy it's my fantasy yeah but I it helped me really know my purpose and figure out what I truly love doing in life that's not not something that somebody can pay me or so what differences what what differences have you noticed in your life since then and now um when it comes to my purpose I feel like I see myself more as a giver rather than somebody who's really self-absorbed and just figuring things out for myself and achieving certain milestones. Um, I did a few fundraisers after that, um, and I realized how much I love giving back. Um, And not in just the sense of like, let me raise money for an organization to help out X, Y, and Z, more so in the sense of like, being there for people, being the person who's reliable, being being kind of a steady rock in somebody else's life. Um, and the actions I've taken to achieve that was just being present. Um, not necessarily in the fact of like, okay, let me put off my school or work to go be by someone's side. Like I still prioritize things that I find valuable. But I feel like my purpose is to inspire others. 
by talking and I talk a lot. Um, You've met your match. (laughs) (laughs) Um, By speaking on topics that people may not be comfortable to talk about, like an eating disorder or um, trigger warning, sexual assault, or anything that has to do with like uncomfortable topics, I find joy, joy might be a wrong word, but like I find a purpose talking about it. My dog is a psychopath. You find purpose in talking about things that people may not be comfortable talking about. Continue. Yes, um, I find a purpose in just speaking out and being a voice for people. Well, it's like, I know you said joy might not be the word, um, but it's it's like the it's the joy of being able to make people comfortable. Yeah. Also, like there's a joy in that, it, like being able to talk to like trigger warning, like you said, people who have went through, you know, sexual assault in one way or another, and they, you know, being able to find like a like a community, right? It's like we all want to be a part of a community of of people, whether you know, like a support group or whatever it may be, and being able to allow people to. Like, being able to be a voice for people like that who yeah. feel like sometimes they don't know where to turn, they don't know the proper, like, they don't have the proper resources or they don't think they have the proper resources. Like, nowadays, especially because of social media and because we literally have the world in our hands at all times throughout the day, you have the resources. Like, there are people out there and it's, like, it's important to have voices like yours for people like that so you can make those people comfortable. And I think that is, like, the part of you that's being, like... What's the word? That's being comforted. I don't. I don't want to say comforted, but that's being like. Um, what's the word? Help me. I'm not sure. I'm not in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the part of you that's being pleased. I guess. Yeah. Because you're able to give that to people, and I mean, you've given that to me many a time. Like when I thought my writing, whenever I need anything in terms of my writing, like you are a voice of reason. Um, whenever I feel like I have a creative burst that I don't know how to express, you're always a voice of reason. Um, part of that is being devil's advocate sometimes, whether, you know, especially in terms of like relationships and stuff, like you are a good perspective always. And I appreciate you for that. Um, and it's, it's, it's very important to be that person to people to offer perspective, um, because sometimes people just don't see things that you may notice. Yeah, and it's not just that. It's like this idea of when you're standing up for other people's rights, for example, that's that has a lot to do with the field that I'm in for public health. It has a lot to do with like social justice, environmental justice, equity, all these things that are interlapping in the terms of our in terms of our health outcomes, right? And Sometimes it's not necessarily about changing the other party's mind. Like if you ever get into a political argument, right, in a room full of people, it's not necessarily me talking to somebody and wanting to prove to them like, oh, I'm right. This is why you're wrong. It's more of standing up for the principle of the issue because there's somebody in that room who is affected by what the other person is saying and just being able to indirectly show them that somebody is standing up for them and somebody does see them brings value to my life and just because I may not understand what everybody else is growing going through I mean I am who I am I cannot identify with everybody else's issues and things that go on um, from a social injustice perspective but 
I can sit there and listen to them and voice with them, not for them. Like I'm not anybody's necessarily like spokesperson, right? but I am their partner. I'm a partner. I'm a support system. I'm an ally. Like I'm there to be a part of something bigger. And that's really my purpose where it's like, I, I'm on your side and I may not identify with you. I may not be on the same level as you. I may not understand you, but I'm on your side. Well, you also like view things from, um, I don't want to say unbiased, but I guess for lack of a better word, like, um, you try not to introduce bias into your argument, right? Because like speaking in a room full of people, you know, about let's say something like abortion rights, Right. Yeah. It's a controversial issue. You know, I don't know why. Like, it's not your body, so shut up. But, like, you you understand that people in the room might not have the same idea as you, but they don't understand that someone in that room might be dealing with that issue at the moment. Yeah. So, being that voice of reason for that person is, honestly, girl, props to you. It's a big, I don't want to say responsibility, because then it feels like an ob- obligation, yeah. kind of. But if it's something that you have a purpose in that you feel like you can actually contribute to in society, it's super important that you do. Have you ever thought about going like getting political? Um, I <laughs> as much as I love advocating for certain things, my father always says, if you're going to be a politician, you have to be corrupt. And I I don't want to go down that path because it's a, I agree because <laughs> it's again, it's something in the future that I cannot predict. Because who knows, maybe if I did get into politics, I would be corrupt. Well, and I don't working, want to. Well, here's the thing. Like, everything is political now. It is. So let's say you want to work for a an organization that deals with and supports people who are struggling with, um, like, let's say you want to work for, like, Plant Parenthood or something. Yeah. Right? That's political. It is. <laughs> well, even in the slightest sense of, like, um, syringe exchange programs for people um, who are struggling with drug addictions. It's very political because you have one end of the spectrum who's saying like having a syringe exchange is just promoting drug usage versus people on the science basis of things and on the preventative medicine side of things who are saying, no, we're just helping support people to stop the spread of disease, but that's just the first step. And being kind of the mediator in understanding that process of like, this is why we're doing this first, and then we'll take action later. Like, I I don't think that I could be in the political atmosphere just because I can't necessarily handle my emotions because I'm very passionate. I get <laughs> I get angry. I get very heated up in a moment where somebody doesn't understand what I'm saying and I don't think that I can really stand somebody standing across from me and saying your education and what you know is incorrect based on what I said based on what I saw on a Facebook post you're getting so mad right now just thinking about it I am because I I can't stand that I can't sit across from somebody who said well Facebook told me this and this person did this and I'm like Dude, no. Like, if Facebook told you that your brother died, would you believe Facebook? I mean, maybe. Like, no. <laughs> Depends on the circumstance. But, but like, like, I said brother because neither of us have brothers. <laughs> that but, like, if Facebook told you that your brother died. And he's sitting next to you. Would you believe Facebook? 
That's kind of like what that argument is. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to believe your education and things that people have researched and Because of confirmation studied. bias. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I find that completely ridiculous. I just, and also I don't, like the field I'm in is political, especially because of the pandemic and because public health has been shot, like it's been under a very negative light because of the inappropriate and bad response to the pandemic. And we as public health professionals, we admit to that. We know that it was wrong. We knew, we know now in the moment that that should have been handled differently. But that's not all our field is. We're not just a response to a pandemic. We are community health. We are bringing equitable access to child care and um, reproductive health care and everything. Well, the Center of Disease Control didn't just become a thing when the pandemic became a thing. No. <laughs> like, it, the CDC has been around. The, uh, WHO has been around. Like, IDPH, CDPH, like, all these places have been around. Not to get too political, but vaccines, like the mRNA vaccine that people have taken for COVID, yeah, have, has been around. People think it's a brand new thing or it's was not, a brand new thing. No, but it just didn't have funding. Technology. It didn't have funding to get more studies. So when people were now looking for a solution, if you will, it's not still it's not resolved yet. But when people were looking for a solution and everyone was trying to find that solution and how can we help the population, there's going to be funding for it. Yeah. And then they're going to be able to do studies, research, tests, trials, Well, it's like a fundraiser or it's like a social media post. If there's no attraction to the post, the person who posted it's not going to make a profit. But once it gets traction and it builds an audience, whatever that post is, they're getting funding for it in order to make more posts, in order to achieve more things. Like that's the cause and effect of it. If the government put more money into public health efforts than they did into who has the bigger nuclear weapons. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. What 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 do you think about I, that? Like cuz I know a lot of the reason why public health recently has been put under a microscope is because of the pandemic obviously, but I'm sure with the pandemic it came with more funding and so on and so forth so we can get to where we are now, but we're still not at a place where everyone public health is accessible and, you know, or even acknowledged or educated to the people about. Yeah. Um, I mean, something that you talk about all the time is what is it? Comprehensive Uh, sexual education. Yep. (laughs) There you go. Comprehensive sexual education. Um, Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, treatment medicine gets a lot more funding because there is more profit in sick people. And I don't like that. I don't like that we live in a place that encourages illness in order to get treated so that somebody can make a profit. Um, So when you, there was a statistic where like public health got, a a certain field of public health only got like $12 million in funding. Like I say only because for the field, it's not as much as you think. Like one program can cost about a million dollars to achieve an initiative um, versus like a pharmacy would get billions. And it's, it's disheartening that people don't believe, not people, I mean, just corporations don't necessarily believe in this idea of like preventative medicine because it doesn't make a profit. And also it's not something you can prove. People like numbers, stakeholders like numbers and analyses, but 
But you, like you also have to view it like the the question that I posed also involved war, right? What's yeah. the solution of a war? What's the what are the statistics in a war? How many people died? I mean, you can offer the same statistics in public health. Yeah, and it's I think what war. If, what if like the lack of public health is a war? I mean, it is. Like it's a war on marginalized groups mm-hmm. because they're not getting the equitable access to the resources that they need that public health professionals can help provide, community health health professionals can attempt to change because it's public health is social justice in it and itself like that's what it is um and honestly i think this whole like my army is bigger than yours is like or i have more nuclear weapons than you do is like oh i we all have small dicks but let's see if i can prove to have a bigger one that you don't see like it's just like relax no one wins in the situation of nuclear war sorry don't know how to break it to you, but y'all die. <laughs> so, and it's not just like you're sending off. Like, thank you to soldiers and thank you for their service. Like, I, I commend them for their bravery and I do commend them for what they do for our country and other countries. However, like, they're not the only lives at risk. There are civilians dying in vain because of the egos of political leaders and i get it like there are certain missions to try to like bring down terrorism or do this and do that like but at the expense of millions of people some of them children most of them children most of them children children mothers fathers brothers sisters like it's it's unfortunate And if we paid that much attention to funding the health of our nation, the amount of chronic diseases that would be diminished is astonishing. They wouldn't want that, though. They don't. Because they want money. Exactly. (laughs) And that's, yeah. Thank you for coming to our topic. This was supposed to be about the future. A little bit off topic. It's really about the future of our I mean, it world. Is. I mean, I, I, and that's another thing in terms of my future too. It's like, I always bounce between the idea of having kids. Yeah. Do I want them? Do I not want them? And the future. And I don't know if like, I always constantly have this conversation too with friends. Uh, like, is it really bad right now? Or is it just that I'm more educated and knowledgeable on certain things that now I actually realize how bad it is? Or is it actually just really bad? I think that things have always been bad. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that we didn't have social media to shine a light on everything and every bad thing that was happening. Like, there's always been injustice. There's always been serial killers. There's always been rape and all of this stuff. Except we didn't have the resources to see all of this from so many different perspectives. Well, I mean, I now get my news mostly from social media, which isn't a great thing. But I make sure that it's like... A reliable source. Right, exactly. I don't watch the news news. Yeah. Because they'll feed us what they want to feed us. But, like, I'm actually trying to know, like, bigger picture. Like, I'm sorry. I don't really care about traffic on I-94. I can open up Apple Maps and see what the traffic is. Right. Like, no tea to Tracy Butler. But I I want to know, like, the real issues. And that's something that, you know, um, if everyone cared <laughs> about it, at least a little bit, about issues nationwide, worldwide... Um, 
what was that? Who was that girl recently? She, um, was she killed for wearing a hijab? Yeah. What was her name? I can't remember her name. Um, she was wearing her hijab improperly, um, in a conservative, in a conservative state, um, across seas and she was executed for it um so it caused a lot of uprising and then women were taking off their hijabs and And cutting off their hair and being it was a very very it's still a very symbolic movement and it's not over it's not but like you don't see it talked about anymore Mm -mm. even on social media yeah and it's like are we treating social issue social issues like a trend in a sense we are and like going back to your point of like having children for this future it's like it makes me question whether or not i'd be able to raise a child in a future one that's uncertain we live on a dying planet right now like will i be able to have grandkids or will we just be at a cap of population will there be resources like it's a very uncertain world and i think not to be political but i think that's why pro-choice advocates are as strong as they are. One, of course, my body, my choice. Like, nobody's... If I wanted the government in my uterus, I'd fuck a senator. And, like, granted, I know that they're getting abortions for their mistresses. So, eat shit. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, that's an advocacy because I feel like being responsible in knowing, like, being able to sit back and say, I cannot raise a child. I do not want to raise a child. I want to have resources to not be able to. It's a very responsible thing to do, honestly. I yeah. mean, as like not to be political, but like from like, would you rather have your child end up in foster care where there's already children piling up waiting to have loving families that can't get loving families? I mean, that system itself, it's also messed up. Or even let's say a mother does give birth to a, sh- to a child she doesn't want. Like, there's emotional baggage there. And I'm not saying that a child cannot change your life. Maybe maybe she does change her mind yeah. and she be, she's the best mother there is. But that's an ideology. That's a fantasy. Like that's It's not also a, uncertainty. Exactly. You don't know. Right. And a child, if you're going to have a child, they deserve to be raised in a loving home. They mm-hmm. deserve to have the resources that they need in order to fulfill all the, all the stages of growth. And a lot of mental health issues stems from childhood. And when people realize that a little bit more rather than like, well, you should have just kept your legs closed. Like, it's not about that. It's about responsibility. It's about also it's about being able to be sexually liberated. Like a woman's body is not meant to just have children. Like God gave us a clitoris for a reason. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, it's just, there's so many aspects to it. (laughs) Better (laughs) words. Like, it's true. Like, women deserve to have the same sexual liberation that men do. And pleasure. And pleasure. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't, it's not fair to me that a woman who has sex with 10 different men is ran through, but a man who has sex with 20 different women is seen as a god, as like somebody who you want to be. Like, do you see that? Do you see that image shifting? Or is it because it's shifting because that's your perspective? I think it's shifting now. I think, I mean, obviously, compared to where we were 100 years ago as as women and women identifying people to where we are now, I definitely think that women are giving less of a fuck and just caring more about what they want to do. Yeah. 
Um, but it just, it's kind of like it, it goes to, this is a pretty detailed example, but like a woman who has had sex with, let's say 10 different people is considered loose and disgusting. But if she has sex with the same man 10 times, that's fine. Right. So I never actually thought about it like that. Right. So where is your math in this? Like what, what kind of logic are you posing? 10 equals 10, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. It's, and it's just. But no, they saw a Facebook post about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I'll never understand that. And I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of uncertainty that the future holds. And as scary as it is, it's emotional. It's inspiring. It's a place that we don't know if we'll get to, but it's not, it's not an X marks the spot. Mm -hmm. I have, I've always had like a really big fear of getting older. Yeah. Recently. Not like when I was like 17, 16, I always wanted to be older, but now that I am older than I was, it's like, I have this really big fear of getting older because I am scared. Like, I feel like I'm like, I don't like to compare myself to where other people are in their lives, but like there's people my age are doing things that I wish I was doing, but obviously everyone's on their own timeline. But then I think about like, oh my God, like I'm about to be 24. Like I'm about to be 30. And then I'm like, oh my God, 30. Right. And it's like, I think societally we're just like, like something's implanted into our brains where it's like, you have to be at a certain point in your life at this, in this age. And like, I've always kind of pushed against that grain Maybe not voluntarily, but I've always um, kind of went against that. But it is something that's really scary because your friends are going to get married. Your friends are going to have kids, you know, like not to be dark. Your parents will pass away. Like, you know, and that's the order that things should go. You know what I mean? Like your parents should go first. Like, that. I mean, not again, not to be dark, but like your parents should go, go first. Like, God forbid that they lose a child. You know what I mean? Um, but thinking about that, it's like, what do you do? Like, are you, like, for me, it's like, I get into that per- into that mindset and I'm like, this is so bad. Like, I need to stop. So then I turn on, like, Star Trek and <laughs> I'm fine. But it's a very scary thing to think about because it's like, what if I don't have someone that I love? And then my parents, my parents are gone and my friends are all married and have children and families and I'm just alone. And it's like, and like, I think the fear of being alone in the future is something that really scares me because it's also like, as much as I welcome change and I do welcome change a lot into my life, like I'm okay with change. It's like stupid to not be okay with it because it's inevitable. But as much as I'm okay with change, I'm also so scared of it. Like, I don't want to think of the day, oh my God, I'm going to cry. I don't want to think of the day where like I walk into the house and there's no one there or I check my phone and no one's asking me to go somewhere or I don't have anyone to text. Like I'm okay being alone sometimes, but like thinking about that, that seems more definitive. And it's like, even from like an emotional standpoint in like relationships, Having that much, like, being alone in that regard is a lot to put onto another person, too. And it can create a really toxic habit there of, like, leaning on someone way too much 
for something that they may not necessarily be able to provide to you. Like, that's something that scares me. And I mean, again, with that is uncertainty, which is like the whole kind of more so than the future, I guess, the theme. I mean, they go hand in hand. But that's something that I think about a lot. Like, the older you get, the more problems you have. And then, like, the more alone you become. And, like, in my dream world, in my dream world, I'm, I have the resources available to fulfill any void that I can. And by that, I mean, like, if I am alone, I'll be able to travel. You know, I'll be able to meet new people, hopefully. Like, that's, this is what I mean by, like, having the resources available. Like, I'll have the money to go and, like, you know, go to Paris or go to, you know, any of these places that I've always wanted to go to to experience them, whether it be alone or with someone else. But, like, is that going to happen? Like, that's what scares me. Well, I think that's the ultimate purpose of a future. Like, we don't know if that's going to happen, but maybe it's not meant to. And that's okay. But that, but that's the hardest part. It's being okay with the fact that sometimes your plans don't go according to the way you wanted them to. And I agree with you. When it comes to change, like, it freaks me out. Because it's, like I told you, I'm a routine girl. I know from A to B what I'm going to do, how I want to achieve it. And if something goes wrong, wrong along the lines, I'm like, what the hell do I do now? And But there's beauty in it. And sometimes we're just not meant to do all the things that we want to. But there's a reason for it. Like sometimes the way I like to think of it is like there have been days where like I really just wanted to go, I don't know, to the city. There was a coffee shop I wanted to try out. I got cute. I got pretty. But then the biggest storm hit outside. And I was so pissed off. Because I'm like, dude, I had this plan. Like, the storm is bad. I can't drive in this weather. And I was already cute, dolled up, all ready to go. And then I was mad that entire day. But then the next day I realized I'm like, I wasn't supposed to go there. Because God forbid I got into an accident. God forbid I never made it to that destination. You also put a lot of weight on something that had too much emotional control over you. Without actually maybe even knowing it. Because you get excited. And I mean, we talked about this too. It's like we look forward towards, like, we look forward to the exciting things. And then when the exciting things don't come, we're upset. Did you go to that coffee shop eventually? No. Oh, well. <laughs> I, I mean, was going to say, well, <laughs> well, you went eventually. But I mean, we can go. I mean, sure. But I'm saying, like, it. I didn't end up going because I realized it wasn't that important. I just really wanted to go in the moment for, for as an escape. So wait, was it like a planned thing or was it something that you woke up and were like, oh, I'm going to do this today? No, it was a planned thing. Well, and I figured with you. Yeah, but. it was planned. Um, and afterwards, I just didn't really feel like going because I was like, I I don't, it's not the same feeling. Like, because then I associated with that, with that day. But it was also more so of me escaping from something I was struggling with up until that point. So now that that, coping mechanism is gone i don't really have a purpose to go to that coffee shop or to that place you know Mm -hmm. um because a lot of it is coping strategies well escapism it's like a huge thing yeah right i mean like really a lot of the things that we do is escapism like scrolling on your phone all day that's escapism yeah um watching a tv show because it brings you a sort of comfort is escapism Mm -hmm. listening to throwback music 
is an escape as well. It is. And it's because we do these things to kind of keep us grounded. I think, too, because of the uncertainty of the future. Like, I don't know, like throwback music, for example. You love throwback music. Whenever we're in the car, turn on the throwbacks. And all I can think in my head is that song, Down. And I hate that song so much. (laughs) And I don't know why. Like, it's a great song. It's a throwback hit. But, like, that's where my mind goes. And, like, for me, when I hear those songs, there are certain songs that, like, from back in the day make me very happy. But I feel like they make they more so remind me of like a time in my life that like I was not the happiest and like that there was a lot of issues. So, but you have a different. I have a different take on that. Right. Um, there are some songs that really just bring me to my childhood. Like they were songs that my sisters would put on like the stereo that we had. And I remember listening to them. Ashley Simpson. Uh, yeah. Yes. And like, that bring me that nostalgic joy of like being super young and it's like a summer day and my only concern was what flavor of popsicle I was going to eat downstairs, you know? Or how long the line was going to be at the pool. That part. For the slide. Yeah. But then <laughs> another part of me, like you said, there are some songs that I listen to and they trigger some unpleasant memories because they trigger the people that they were associated with or the moment I was in when I was listening to these songs. But now... Listening to those throwbacks, even if they were from those hard and tough moments, I like listening to them because I'm not in that moment anymore and it makes me appreciate the song in a different light. Mm -hmm. Like, this is such a weird thing to say, but like, You Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. Bop. Before I was in like the most stable relationship and healthiest relationship I've ever been in, which is the one I'm in now, that song was like, yes go underdog like you get her blah 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 blah, you know i was on um is that like she wears short shirts is that okay i was on geeky taylor's side you know (laughs) like yes take that man he's all yours but then now being in a like a stable relationship i'm thinking of it from the perspective of the cheerleader you know where it's like this other woman is trying to take my man. Fuck that Gigi bitch. Yeah, like, what the hell? Like, this other woman, you know? Why is she all up in my man's business? Like, she doesn't know our relationship type of thing. Um, So it's just kind of, like, using that as perspective for, like, Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran used to be, like, a very lovey-dovey song for <laughs> my first relationship, if we can even count it as a relationship. Oh, God, no, we don't. Um, And, like, that was, like, our song, you know? But now when I listen to it, if I listen to it like a year or two after the breakup, it hurt. Like it made me very sad. But then now I listen to it and I'm like, I appreciate it in a whole different light because I associate new positive memories to it that those bad triggers, they're gone, you know? So. In my head by Ariana Grande, <laughs> wanted you to grow, but boy, you wasn't budding. Yeah. Everything you are made you everything you weren't. Yeah. Or something. Something like that, yeah. Um, that song, when it came out, <laughs> I had, like, a like a vengeance towards the person that I was, like, mentally singing that song for, if that makes sense. Um, because it's, like, um, like, I made you type of shit, which is, like, and then you fucked me up. Um, or, like, you're in love with the version of a person that you've created in your head that you are trying to but cannot fix. The only person you can fix is yourself. I love you. This has gone on for way too long. Enough is enough. I'm two blocks away. I'm coming over. Like Go off, Lyric Master. <laughs> I've just... That's how many times I listened to that song. And back in the day, like, how it... Kind of like how, like, with uh, You Belong With Me. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Um, 
that song for you is like what in my head is for me. Now I listen to it and it's like, I contributed to something good to your life to make you a good person now, which is fine. Which is another thing that I I think is important on on that topic is like, sometimes we underestimate the, what our relationships necessarily mean. Like I, I'm a firm believer that you should just date to date and whatever happens, happens. Like before I was like, no, if I'm going to date somebody, I'm going to marry them. I have that. I have that problem. Like, I always look too far into the future because I guess it's uncertainty. But, like, I'm always like, okay, well, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And then along with that is this consequence and this consequence and or, you know, this problem. And I'm never in it in the moment with that person. And until recently, I have been more in a moment with a person. But I just, like, I'm always looking for the next step well just to build off of that it's like it's from the perspective of like you said you're everything you've contributed to that person made them a better person for the next and as hard as that sometimes is to grasp like that idea of like I'm building him for another woman or I'm building her for another man or another woman whatever whatever kind of relationship it is like it hurts to know that like you expected more from somebody to ultimately change for somebody else but sometimes that's the only purpose we serve in people's lives. People have done that for you. Exactly. Because, like, while I was building somebody for another woman in my past relationships, somebody was building my boyfriend now for me. And Well, there's a great song for that called Better Version by Fletcher from her new album. And she, she essentially says, like, the same thing that you're saying. It's like, it sucks that I'm doing this and that for someone to get the better version of you. Yeah. It sucks. It hurts. But also, like, if you look at it from another perspective, somebody's going through the exact same thing you're going through so that in the future you get that better version of that person because nobody is the version of who they are when you meet them. Well, imagine if, like, the person that you're with right now, right? Yeah. Like, if that person never had any prior experience with relationships or anything else, like, they wouldn't they wouldn't be the person that you've fallen, you know, yeah. to love with so exactly it's um it's it's really an interesting thing i think like there's a lot of um part of me has always wanted to get into like psychology because of like the developmental type of thing i mean we're still in our developmental years you know what i mean like yeah. we're not fully developed but in like like the impact and i think that's why i like communication studies so much too is like the way that we communicate has an has a a cause and like there's a cause and effect and like it does and like that this to break down in into like layman terms, I guess, is like your interaction with every single person that you ever have will alter that person in some capacity. That kind of ties into like this idea of a purpose. Like of being something for somebody, no matter how small or big. Um, like I saw a post recently that was like there's somebody drinking out of their favorite mug that they gave you or they're quoting a book that you told them to read or they watch their um they're reminiscing about a movie that they watched with you or a place you took them to or a place they took you to they're listening to a song that you sent to them yes and it's like it goes down to that purpose of like the smallest things like there's been people that I have no idea who they are. I don't know their name. I don't know what time period that this happened in. But I remember something nice that they did for me. Like, 
years ago, one time a girl on the train told me she loved my outfit. And I wore that outfit at least once a week for like two months after that because it made me feel good. And she has no idea that she had that impact. And it's just being able to understand that and like brighten somebody's day by doing the smallest thing. It can be a stranger and telling them that you like their shoes or like somebody you love and telling them that their laugh makes them feel good, you know, Um, ties into this idea of like what I want my future to look like. Like I want to grow old and be able to like feel fulfilled in knowing that like I've changed somebody's life, even in the smallest way, no matter what. Um, And I think that's the ultimate fulfillment in the future, not how many degrees I have, what cars I drove, what house I lived in, like just being able to know that I changed somebody's life. And I have a little sticker in my like little motivations on my mirror that says one day I will change somebody's world. Well, you're doing that every day. Um, Like the people that I've lost in terms of friends, um, if I didn't have you and like other people as well, it'd be very difficult, you know? Um, so yeah, um, I think it's, I, I wish that when I grow older, the kindness that I believe humanity to have still is still tangible, that it's not lost. Um, I hope that it's still intact like I don't you know everyone's so angry at each other now all the time or that's what it feels like you know like it feels like everyone if you don't know them you hate them like think about if you're out at a club and a girl looks at you what is your immediate immediate thought why are you looking at me why right why are you staring at me why is it not oh she's staring at me because maybe she likes my top or maybe she likes my shoes or maybe she just thinks I look really pretty I catch myself looking at girls. I'm like, oh, my God, you're gorgeous. Like, but like from like a male standpoint, they probably think I'm a creep. (laughs) I'm literally just over here like, you're so pretty. Yeah. And like it's I just wish people change their perspective on how they view communication altogether. I mean, because that is communication. You looking at someone is communication. It's just nonverbal communication. Right. Or. You know, and your interpretation of how they're looking at you or interacting with you is is also is important. But the way that society is now, it's like we're all kind of trained to assume that everyone has something negative to say for some reason, which I like I never really thought about before because it like has never been a thing that I was like, oh, yeah, people are all everyone's so negative. Everyone hates everyone. But recently it just feels like everyone hates everyone. Yeah, and it's also this idea of, like, people just are pinned against each other. Like, you can't have a pe- group of people in the room who share the same ide- ideology without it causing an argument. Like, it's not... I mean, you can, depending on the group you're in, but also it's, like... It, with the same ideology or different? With, like, this... like This whole idea of being pinned against each other, where mm-hmm. it's, like, I view this... And you view that. I say that the sky is blue, but you're saying it's purple. But then again, I'm looking at it in the middle of the day. You're looking at it at sunset. So we're both right. But we're arguing right now at night when it's dark for both of us. Neither of us can prove a point. And neither of us can prove a point. And we're just like creating a drift and a divide while people 
in higher up positions, like back to like politics, it's like one side against the other. And these people in government, they don't necessarily give a fuck about our arguments. Because what are we doing in this moment that's going to change what the government's going to say? Because again, they're corrupt. Like if somebody's, I don't know, a Democrat today and they they go through something, they're going to be a Republican tomorrow because something doesn't fit their ideologies as a Democrat. Their so it, Right. So they have to be a Republican or vice versa or a liberal, liberal versus conservative or this or that or like whatever the case is. Like people are so pinned against each other that it's become a norm to argue. And it's like, I'm just sick of arguing. There's some things that I will argue to the death for. Like that's just who I am. But that's more from a moral standpoint and my what my moral beliefs are. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there's beauty in what the future holds. I think that it's exciting. It's scary. It's heartbreaking. It's disheartening. It's inspiring. It's emotional. It, it has so many different aspects to it. And we're just, we're meant to live a simple life. Pura vida. Like it's supposed to be a pure, simple life where we sit down and we just enjoy our coffee. We don't take it to go. Where we sit down with friends and we put away our phone. Like, that's I think what the that's future like is. A, that's a good challenge to present to our listeners. It's like, next time you go get coffee, if you have the time, make the time. Make the time. Sit down, bring a book, and just enjoy it. Make a conversation with a stranger. Or do something that's out of your comfort zone. Take yourself out on a date. You know what I've always wanted to do? Go on a trip alone. Yeah. Like, But like to a place I've never been. Yeah. Like, not go to, like, another state to visit my sister. Like, no. Like, I want to go to, like, London alone. Or I've always wanted to. But, like, that scares me. Like, that is so... Not because of, like, a safety standpoint, but, like, what am I going to do alone? But, like, you can find so much to do by yourself. Because then you don't have other people weighing in saying, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. You can purely do whatever you want. You can soak up your independence. Yeah. but And, I mean, it could be scary. Or, you know what? That's another challenge. If you have the money to go on a trip alone, go alone and then call in and let me know how it goes. <laughs> don't don't wait for anybody. If there's one thing I'm going to say about the future and about endeavors and finding excitement, it's do not wait for anybody. If you want to do it, you go ahead and do it. If you want to try it, you go ahead and try it. Do not wait for people to be by your side because they're holding you back. Life is also not waiting for anybody either. Exactly. So either you get up and get a move on or you just stay complacent yep so take control where you can and where you can't let it go i i mean listen that's what i've been saying my whole life well not my whole life but like for the past year and a half <laughs> it's like control what you can you can't what you can't you yep. know what i mean and if you have the time to go somewhere and your friends don't and you still want to go go make it happen make it happen all right we're an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> if you've made it this far into the podcast thank you so much for listening um, you can follow Lesson Laundry at Lesson Laundry on Instagram. That's L E S S O N L A U N D R Y. Or as Alex would say, L E S S E N. I told myself in the last podcast episode, I was like, I'm going to make that a thing every single podcast because <laughs> um, she spelled lesson wrong. Anyway, um, so, yes, you can follow us on Atlas and Laundry on Instagram. Make sure you turn on our notifications to know when every episode comes out. You can follow our podcasts on Spotify. 
um, Apple Music, you can save it to your library. So every time that a new podcast episode uploads, you will have it. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate all of you. Um, and just be on the lookout for things on socials because I'm so excited to be sharing all of this with all of you. And thank you so much to Melinda for coming and talking. And honestly, this episode was everywhere, but I love it. And that's what I say. It's like we have a topic and it just goes wherever it needs to go. So thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate you. I love you so much. And I will talk to you guys about your bullshit of basket of bullshit next time. (laughs) Pura vida. Pura vida.